We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,120 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? Oh, I'm in a, a funny mood today. I could say anything. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. How are you guys? Healthy and alive here? I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. Last day of the week this week, and we will be out because of the uh, the Easter holiday. So uh, unfortunately, there won't be anything. We won't be back until uh, next week. And next week, we will be taking, um, well, actually, no, it'd be the week after. I'm trying to get my days right because I'm, I'm doing so many things. But we are going to be taking a break after next week. So we will be out for two weeks. We will, <laughs> I can't say two weeks because it's part of the intro now. Uh, we'll be out until the uh, the first week of May. So we'll be uh, we'll be taking some time off to do some research and to get caught up on some things and to just get a little bit of personal time because we do need a break. We haven't taken a break in years around here. So everybody else takes a break. So we're going to take a break, but we will still have the Friday afternoon podcast. Those will still be there. So Marty will be joining us for the one day a week, and we could do a little bit longer that day, uh, depending on what we have lined up, because well, we're just going to make sure that we pop in and make sure everybody knows we're still alive. And we'll go insane if we don't actually talk for two weeks. So uh, we'll still be doing the uh, the one day a week uh, and just during the time off. But then we'll be back full time first part of May. And of course, by us doing one day a week, you do save me the expense of having to uh, employ the services of a therapist. So that is know, true. It's that is true. And we've saved you tens it, of thousands of pounds already in therapy, I think. Yeah, I wish I still had it. But the tax man's taken it all. Well, that's unfortunate. And I'm they've given sorry. it to Ukraine. That is true. So, yeah. That is true. Uh, what would you like to talk about today, Marty? You have you say that you're in a funny mood. Okay, what do you have? Oh, well, from the news in the UK today, the new incumbent of the throne of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales, you know, the United Kingdom, King, it sticks in my throat, Charles, uh, has announced that he's opening the Royal Archives so that a doctor of history and a, a PhD student can analyse the link between the royal family and slavery. Like that needs analysing. I think this is this is a, an overture, a prelude to some form of massive reparation that will be yet another burden 
onto the British taxpayer. At the moment, it also, oh no, they're just going to look at the, the connection. Well, we know that the whole slave triangle, tobacco, sugar, cotton, uh, slaves, and so on, was happening um, right from the, the reign of, well, seven, 1700s, uh, you know, with uh, the southwest of of the united states as as was then part of the 13 colonies um and we know that the king would have been guilty they would have had investments in it so there isn't really much analyzing to do they might as well just come straight out with it and say we're going to pay billions of pounds in reparations to some made-up groups that will receive it. Why don't they just do that? Well, uh, this whole concept of uh, this reparations nonsense, this is nothing more than a ploy from the Marxist left to redistribute wealth. That's all this is. Any way you slice it, it doesn't really matter. Nobody that lives in the UK today along with anybody that lives in the U.S. today, is connected with slavery. I mean, may, maybe, not not directly, maybe through lineage or something, maybe through family history or something, but no one living today is actually responsible for that. The same thing with the U.K. No one living today in the U.K. is actually responsible for that. So why are we even having this discussion? Um, I'm just saying... I'm just saying today. No, I, um, I wasn't. I wasn't being, accusing you. To be clear, I wasn't no, accusing you. I'm, I'm just saying. Well, why I'm, is it? I'm glad about that because I'll, <laughs> I'll find myself up in a court <laughs> if I'm being accused. Well, today is Maundy Thursday. Um, I'm sorry. So what? the day before Good Maundy Thursday. I didn't realize we had a day and, that was called uh, Maundy yeah. Thursday. But okay, all right, I'll go with in it. the in the UK. And traditionally, it was the time when the monarch dis- distributed personally arms to the poor. And so a selected bunch of worthy poor people uh, were collected somewhere in London today. I'm sure it's probably either Westminster Abbey or St. Paul's or somewhere like that. And they were handed um, pouches directly from the king containing silver coins, uh, which are all collector's items and, and probably worth some money, but only if they sell them on eBay or, or some other form of... Um, you know, online sales. Uh, and it was announced on on today that they're going to open up the archive. So I just thought it, it's worth mentioning and that we'll keep an eye on it in the future and see where this investigation and, and analysis goes. And my guess is that it will go towards the path of reparations. Yeah, of course. Uh, I didn't realize that the Royal Archives were sealed all of the time. Uh, well, it, it's the personal family archives, so... Oh, oh, they, it's that. Okay, all right. Yeah. Oh, oh, the other thing that's happened, you know, we've talked about the cranky woman quite often, as in um, Nicola Sturgeon. I'm glad you brought that the, up. Yeah, I'm glad yeah, you brought that up. I the, just, uh, just so happened to have an article here on that, but go ahead. Yeah. So she resigned, didn't she? Saying, you know, basically it was time to move on and... and uh, Maybe her and uh, Jimmy Cranky um, would be back on stage, or whatever the guy was called. So her husband, Murrell, um, who is the head of the Scottish Nationalist Party, sort of like the chief executive, was arrested. He's been released without charge, but there's been a police tent outside the front of their house for a couple of days while yeah. um, forensic searches were taking place. But there seems... 
And, and I'm in two minds about this because, again, this is the way party funds are being handled and it's being used as, as an excuse to manipulate politics. So no doubt, you know, all parties are bent. All big parties are corrupt. We know they are. And they've always had these misdealings and, uh, and, and downright crimes with the funding that comes from wherever party funds come from, quite often party members. So there's an investigation into the SNP for their funding. And just the same with the Donster, who I believe now has been formally arrested and charged with a felony. 35 so felonies, it, I believe. 35 felonies. Yes. Well, um, it's it's creative how they've come up with the 35 felonies. It's the same felony. They've just charged it 35 times. They're going to make sure one of them sticks, aren't they? Uh, and you know what the, the crime was? Um, it was uh, he was uh, altering business records to hide a felony. And what the felony was that he was hiding or to hide another crime, which is a felony. The, the other crime that he was hiding, they don't actually list what the other crime was. I thought, well, again, I haven't paid that much attention, I've got to be honest, and you you can correct me as quick as you like, but I thought the actual crime was using party funds to pay off a blackmailing porn star. That was the assumption, but he didn't use party funds. He used his own funds. So this is basically what it is. Uh, he paid his lawyer to uh, pay off do an NDA to uh, multiple multiple porn stars or, you know, uh, for multiple affairs he supposedly had. Um, and they're charging him with that and saying uh, in evidence they're using, they're saying that the lawyer paid too much in taxes. That's the evidence they're using. And um, I, I, it, it makes absolutely no sense. An NDA is completely legal, number one. Number two, it was his own business funds uh, that he used, not the not the actual. They were saying he violated um, election laws or something like that because he was... Uh, I don't. I don't even know the argument that they're trying to make because it makes no sense. It, it's such a huge stretch. They're basically saying that um, because he silenced the other people, that was in, uh, election interference because he was silencing other people. That's basically their argument. Uh, my understanding of it. Wow. And I would um, just like to point out uh, this probably was not picked up by the UK press. I don't really think it was picked up for by the US. <clears throat> press for more than a couple of a uh, couple of minutes uh that porn star was ordered to pay him one hundred and thirty two thousand dollars well for defamation or uh, no it was because of legal fees for dragging it through the court system so she had to pay for all of the legal fees oh so, because she broke she broke the uh yes. nda yeah, well, well I, uh, I don't i don't know if it was that but mean? it it she was ordered by the court to to pay the legal fees in the amount that she supposedly was paid by him or his lawyer or whoever in the hell made right. the deal do you remember we, we had a conversation quite some time ago about Prince, I don't sweat much for a fat lad, Andrew? That's the one, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and we were just talking about what happens. Why are they so um, keen to for these these kind of relationships? What What is it about wealth, power, influence that creates these, these requirements? Well, to be honest, uh, at least with Donald, um, most of it seems to be uh, heterosexual, of age of consent kind of activity. Uh, and he's a billionaire playboy. In, 
What do you expect? I, I, I expect nothing more or less from from someone with that with that kind of money boredom total lack of a moral compass which he has let's face it he's got no moral compass so it, it it's it's no surprise but they will use this kind of crap against anyone who sticks their head above the parapet if they're not going in the direction that the narrative uh wants them to be pushed uh, and they look like they're going to be a problem they can expect this kind of crap and no one should enter into politics who hasn't fully disclosed and made up their own mind not to screw up royally, royally being a quite an appropriate word here, again, because otherwise their whole foundation on, on which they stand as a politician will be undermined and will be taken away from them. So I've got no sympathy for Donald, um, but at the same time, it's clear that's what's happening there because he seems to be standing up against what's going on, despite the fact that he was the one that sped up the whole process to get the mRNA poisons into action. He still seems to be standing up against everything else that's happening. You know, the only president in decades, several decades, not to start a new war. So, you know, the, the defense companies weren't too keen on that idea. They, they, they needed their war, and by golly, they've got it, haven't they? They certainly do. And uh, on the campaign trail, I suppose, because he has announced that he's going to be uh, uh, to be making a run for the, uh, the 2024 presidential election bid, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's been a very outspoken person on this, uh, this mRNA jab, uh, has filed his paperwork to run on the Democrat ticket, I believe, yesterday. What do you think about that? This is the nephew well, of John F. Kennedy. Is this the same guy that I've seen uh, in in those? Um, is it Senate interviews? He's he's always no. no. Uh, this is it's not. Is it's him. a different one, is it? That's him. Oh no, that's that's not the same Kennedy. Then uh, this is the JFK's nephew. It will large amounts of so what? What is wrong with? Uh, I'm sorry, but your politics in the U.S. does it have to be this nepotism? all the time why can't you pick someone who's honest from another because, family because you know, they would someone make it. because they wouldn't make it well, of it's, course it's, they wouldn't because it's, it's what bruce said last week or earlier this week i don't know these these damn things they, they all run together it has to be somebody that is known at the dinner table if we even have dinner tables anymore in america i'm not sure that we do but it has to be somebody that's going to be a subject of conversation a topic of conversation a, a known figure around that table and it's it's like donald trump even before long before years before decades before he ever ran for president everybody knew who he was already he didn't need to work yeah, on, on making a name for himself everybody knows who robert uh, robert f kennedy jr is everybody knows well, him. he's been around for for decades well again well you know I'm, the I'm name not from the u.s so you know kennedy i know the name kennedy yeah but you see that's because politics has become entertainment. It's a farce. You just need half-naked oh, people slamming doors and avoiding each other. Oh, you've yeah, got yeah. that, haven't you? Already. Well, we do. We do. It's called Turning Point USA. That's basically what it is. You've got strippers up there on the stage putting cash in air cannons and shooting it out into the uh, the crowd of, of college students, and they're up there holding up signs to say socialism sucks while they're 
Which literally the, doing socialism. The other day when when Ned was on, socialism does suck, by the way, just just to to state it that does. point. Yeah, it does. But when Ned was on the other day and you were talk you were talking about the way in which education subverts uh or is being used to subvert, and there was a subject that he mentioned that um, you know, the the kids take it for a certain amount of time, then most of them drop it. And they use that period as as revision, and I think it was something like society and ethics that he was that he was talking about. But what you were also saying between the three of you, as you were, as you were discussing, was that you know education shouldn't be politicised. But that topic, uh, we used to call it sociology, uh, and we we studied sociology, and it and it was about how your society works, what a democracy is, what a dictatorship is, what communism is. And it explained everything in terms of non-bias and that kids of 13, 14 years old could understand. And it is possibly the one thing that we actually do need the kids to attend and understand as long as it is delivered in a non-bias way. The worst bit uh, or worst subject in schools at the moment, a great favourite of mine and yours and and Bruce's is history. But history is being used as a bias because they're rewriting it. They're rewriting the history books, which is should be a good thing because history is always written by the victors. And so therefore, there was already a bias on what was being taught. Now, it's flipped completely the other way, making everything that our countries have achieved out to be a great evil. And so I want to see that stop. But at the same time, I think this society and ethics learning in schools, when it's all sorted out and we've got rid of these evildoers, will be a good thing because it will help people to understand. In American schools, I'm going to sharp in a second, but in American schools, are you not taught about the Constitution and and, oh, and each um, of the amendments. <laughs> okay. When I was in school, okay, I'll just tell you my own personal experience. When I was in school, I had government classes every year. I had government classes, okay? One year out of all of my years in, in American schooling, I can only recall one teacher that I had in government. It was American civics. I can only recall that one teacher requiring us to learn the Bill of Rights. They were actually posted up on the wall in the classroom, the first 10 minutes of the U.S. Constitution. We were required to learn that and to know that. And this will be the uh, the curveball to this. That teacher was a stone-cold, hardcore Democrat. My when you say no. stone-cold, hardcore Democrat, do you mean yep. they believed in democracy or were they a Marxist? The, no, they actually believed in in the democracy. In democracy, they actually believed in in our constitution. They actually believed in in just differing in things on the surface. But we don't we don't subvert our actual guiding principles as a nation. That type of just just as an Democrat. as an insight, uh, just as an insight for the our American listeners here in the UK, the way in which the Democrat Party and the Republican party in the US are portrayed here in the UK media because the Republicans were seen as the ones that were really anti-British and, you know, wanted a president for life and all that sort of thing. That's the way they were portrayed. And because the Democrats have got Democrat 
in their title, they were supposed to be the fair-minded, one man, one vote, one person, one vote, them, they, one vote, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and they always got a much better press than the Republican Party. But since all this has been happening, my views have obviously changed and, and been educated much, much more about what's going on within your politics. And we've got to the point here in the UK where our serving government, the Conservative Party, our WEF puppets, the leadership of the opposition, our WEF puppets, and the Liberal Democrats don't realise it, but they're European Union puppets, who in turn are WEF puppets. So we don't have any real difference between all of the parties in our body politic at the moment. We have the same problem, my friend. Yeah, we do. Bruce, go ahead and jump in there. You were uh, you were trying to uh, get started, and I walked over top of you. I do apologize. So your experience uh, about the uh, the Constitution, the Declaration in school? Yeah, uh, no worries. Um, so uh, my experience was uh, we had one class did um, the Constitutional Convention, where you know we acted the part of different uh, founding fathers. But we were never you? required. Who were you? Uh, I'm curious. I don't even remember. I was. You don't remember? The, I, I don't even remember. It was one of the. It was one of the founders that had very little role other than signing their name because oh. um, the teacher knew that I was not a great student. I'd imagine <laughs> not if, that I wasn't based a great on student, that, but I, you know, yeah, based on that, I would imagine you were probably John Hancock, the guy that didn't say much but put his name the biggest on there, saying, "Yep, that's me." You damn right, that's me. No, it was it was actually uh, uh, I, I don't even remember the name. Um, I'd, I'd have to go on and look at the d different founders, and maybe I could figure it out. But yeah, I, I don't remember. Uh, but we weren't required to know the Constitution, nor uh, did we actually read the Declaration of Independence. That was not required reading, even though we did the the the, the convention. That was my generation of of teaching and education. Now it might have been different. Had I, uh, geez, I'm I'm only what five years behind you in in schooling, I think so, roughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and yeah, and it changed that much between uh, your education and mine. I, I I find it crazy that you guys were doing a a mock scenario of doing a constitutional convention, but you didn't even know what you were doing a convention for. Yeah. So in the process, you kind of knew bits and pieces of the Constitution because you had to make the arguments. So it was kind of expected that you would do some of the research, uh, but it was not actually required reading uh, to, to uh, know the hell. We, we didn't even quiz on it. Um, so it, it wasn't required. Now, had I done the homeschooling earlier, uh, some of the homeschooling stuff that I did, it, that was required reading and that was required, um, you know, in testing, uh, but not not in public school. There there wasn't any. What I would have liked to have seen or what I would like to see at the moment in, in our schools is kids being taught the process of how a bill gets passed, how laws are made, how each part of our government, the Houses of Parliament and the Houses of Lords are supposed to, wa to work and, and the, the governance of government. If more people understood what should be happening and then see what is actually happening, the uh, the public's reaction would would be very different. But we have been dumbed down, and we don't even most of us. The majority of this country has no clue how its government is supposed to work, and even I'm not that aware. 
I, I don't know the the ins and outs of all of it. I don't think yeah. you, you um, need to, though. I, honestly, I, I don't I don't believe that you need to. And I, I understand where you're coming from on that. Don't misunderstand me. But I don't think you need to know the ins and outs of how government works, because the process has been made so complex within the bureaucracy that government actually doesn't work as it's intended to work, because we're not following common sense. We're not following logical and, and deductive reasoning and all the rest of that stuff that we were talking about in prep. And I'm mixing my words here, but... We're not following the basics. We need to get back to the basics and get back to the founding principles of how our governments are supposed to operate and work for people and not against them. But again, without uh, letting the cat out of the bag too soon, because you've got lots of reading to do, what we were talking about earlier in prep about how to solve a problem, that complexity of bureaucracy has been deliberately created. And if we knew how it was supposed to work, we could see where the bullshit was fed in. Which party decided this would happen? How was this vote made? Why didn't that go through? Uh, And we'd be able to to see it. We'd be able to properly analyse what's been happening and work out what's wrong. We got a phrase in the training world, OMDR. And, and that's what we work to, operate, maintain, diagnose, repair. And the operators uh, of, of this political system, let's say they're the voters. The maintainers are the politicians. We need a diagnosis of what's going wrong, and we need to repair the system. Uh, and, you know, you've said in recent podcasts that there's nothing wrong with the system. There's something wrong with the people that we've got in it. And uh, someone I was speaking to on this subject just the other day said, but isn't the current system creating those people? So the system needs to be stripped back to what it was for its original purpose and and rerun, you know, sort of like, like a a reset factory settings yep. situation. Yeah, so we, we need to re-upload our, our systems. We don't need new systems. And it, I, I was making this argument, and I, I'm glad you actually listened, <laughs> but I was making this uh, this argument. I was saying that nobody wants to be corrective anymore. Everybody wants to be anti-something. And that's what people are. It's easier for them to go out and say, well, no, we just need to get rid of this and replace it. Well, why? There's nothing wrong with it. It because wasn't... Yeah, go ahead. The reason they say that, Johnny, is because they've got no solution. They say, oh, it just needs replacing. They're not suggesting who replaces it, what it's replaced with, how it's changed. They're just anti because they don't have a solution. In my role as a consultant working with a foreign government, I never offered criticism unless I had a solution. You have to have a solution. And that's why everyone is quick to jump on the anti bandwagon rather on the correct bandwagon. That's my argument with uh, people that claim to be conservatives in in government and within the apparatchiks of, of power is, well, we're conservatives. And OK, well, what are you conserving? If you're advocating for uh, removing this or being anti this and, and getting rid of that, OK, what are you conserving then? Why are you calling yourself a conservative? You don't have any business calling yourself conservative if you don't want to conserve anything. So I'm hearing out of this, uh, and you guys have a, a sister organization in the UK. It's actually called Turning Point UK. They've they've spread yeah. this showbiz politics crap over to the UK, and it's run by the same people. It's a cash cow. It's a, it's a it's a fake rock concert. It's disgusting. And these people at this Turning Point crap, 
They're saying, we're going to build a new republic. I don't want a new republic. I don't want to build a new republic. I just want the old one back. I said that yesterday. I, I don't want a new one. I don't want to build uh, a new republic based on whatever this fake nonsensical stuff is that they're putting on. You know, the, the, the confetti cannons and the fog machines and the, you know, the, uh, the strippers with shooting the cash out and air cannons and, and you're selling T-shirts that support all that stuff. I'm sorry. No, that's not what I, I don't want a, a system in government based on show business. That is not what I want. I don't want, technically, I don't even want something like a Donald Trump because that's just, that's an entertainment sideshow. That's what he does. I will give Donald Trump credit for that. He is an entertainer. He's not a politician. And he's very good at being an entertainer. He's actually a really funny guy. You know, again, I, I've made my standpoint on him clear, but when you hear him stand up there and give one of his talks, tell me the last time you saw a politician that actually had a sense of humor that you could laugh at. Most uh, of the time when no. you hear a politician make jokes, it's dry, it's disgusting, it's cringeworthy and all the rest of it. But when Donald Trump stands up there, he actually can make you laugh. He makes me laugh. And you know how hard it is for me to laugh, but well, he can actually make me um, laugh. Without being too condescending i'll probably be a little bit condescending now obviously my sense of humor is extremely developed and refined donald uh is funny (laughs) you make me laugh i know i know but he's 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 a parody that's the problem and i said a few weeks ago we've got to stop showing these people so much respect i'm not talking about donald i would show him ambivalence i think but some of these people that are in positions of power, uh, most of them currently unelected in the UK government, as in, you know, they, they weren't elected into power. They've just got it by default, need to be shown no respect whatsoever because they don't deserve it. But that's what Donald does when he stands up and, and talks. He doesn't respect these other world leaders if they're not willing to do business. That is the only thing that he thinks he's good at. Um, you know, business, business, business. It's got to make a deal, got to make a deal. But didn't he get most of his money from his father anyway? And he lost quite a bit of it before he started to make any. He was essentially loaned a million dollars. And from that million dollars, he made billions. So he has lost money, but he's also made a ton of money at the same time. Well, you know, so he is good at something. And that thing he's good at is obviously doing deals with other people's money. So we, we've got a lot of them. So does that deserve a great deal of respect? Because let's face it, if um, you or I were given a large chunk of money, so a million dollars 30, 40 years ago, what's that worth now? 20 million, 30 million? He's doing the, he's doing the calculation as we speak. He's very fast on that too. So $1, if you go back that far, was worth $10 today. So it would be the equivalent to getting $10 billion in today's currency. Right. Well, there, there you go. If any of us were given that kind of money, we could find something that we were good at if we wanted to, if we were driven that way, because I've talked about this well, before as well. Apart from the fact- Because I if would... I got that kind of money, I wouldn't do another stroke of work in my life. Yeah. Simple as that. As you've said before, and I'm not trying to steal your thunder here, but with even a quarter of that, you'd never see me again. You'd never hear from me again. No. I disappear. This was a, another clip, and and this this links in. We're, we're getting lots of, as well as the big showcasing political messages with things like Turning Point USA, Turning Point UK, all this um, dog and pony show bullshit that we're getting that is supposedly shaping people's minds politically. You're also getting these little snippets 
You're both familiar with Jordan Peterson, are you not? I am familiar with him, yes. And I see younger people with his books in their hand, which is strange to me i'm because i'm i i've listened well, to a that, couple that's of things because he is absolutely flooding videos of jordan peterson standing up against transgenderism and um other things like uh the the drag queen story time and all that kind of stuff he is so prevalent on instagram on tiktok on facebook videos all that social media stuff with small snippets of him in his lectures being questioned by people and putting them back in their place but the other day he was talking about what is really special and uh, or time and he was talking he was saying you know when your wife greets you when you get home from work and that time over the breakfast table that hour and a half a day who the flying f has an hour and a half for breakfast? Whose wife greets them at the door and says, Hi, honey, how is your day? Let me take your coat. Would you like a drink? Sit down, I'll come back and get the oil and massage your feet. What he says about all those things that we don't like, that, that we strongly disapprove of, we can go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then in an unguarded moment, he reveals how upper middle class, out of date, he actually is. We need people who are up to the minute, bang up to date, down with the kids, but at the same time will speak out against the gender politics that's going on because that's part of the plan to weaken the West, to make us all whatever they, they want us to become. So up until I saw this clip, I thought, yeah, Jordan Peterson, he's all right. He's a great guy. And then I heard him say that and it just went, uh, no. What you are is is very privileged, very outmoded, and you need to shut the f up. Perhaps, uh, perhaps he was overcharacterizing himself, caricature of himself in that explanation. Perhaps it's a little more. Yeah, it's that, these unguarded, you know. these unguarded sound bites that show who they are. Because all politicians, all people in in the public eye, present a front. I don't. I don't present a front. You don't present a front. Johnny doesn't present a front. We are who we are, who we say we are. We do what it says on the tin. But all these people in the public light who've got fabulously wealthy or were already fabulously wealthy and have become even more powerful, they present a facade, uh, a public persona. And it's these unguarded moments that reveal who they actually are. Unfortunately for Donald Trump, he is a whoremongering porn addict. I don't know if I can say that without getting sued. Now, bollock, he'll be in jail soon anyway, so it doesn't really matter. I'm not entirely certain. I think the, um, you know, the, the prosecutor's case, hell, you even got guys like John Bolton, who was responsible for both Iraq wars, I might add. He, um, he's even come out and said, you know what? Uh, no, none of these charges are going to stick. And that guy is no friend of that administration at all. None whatsoever. So even he's on but what's, the. Uh, what's this covering up? What's what's the distraction? I think what is the magician going to pull out of your ear yeah, while yeah, we're yeah. all looking at, okay. at Donald's trial? Okay, here's the here's the deal. 
So we're in a part of the year now called Rasputista in Ukraine. You know what that is. That's the rainy season. They keep talking in the headlines about, oh, Russian spring offensive, Ukrainian spring offensive, blah, blah, blah. There is no such thing. It will not happen. They haven't even fully taken the city of Bakhmut yet. The movements in eastern Ukraine this time of year, you're really not going to do anything. You're just going to get stuck in a whole lot of mud because you've got the spring thaw, you got a lot of rain. Yeah, no one's moving. So China and Russia are busy playing the economic game around the world. They're turning all of our allies around the world, namely, you know, the US and the British, they're turning our allies against us. A Russian military vessel equipped with Zircon hypersonic cruise missiles docked in Saudi Arabia for the first time ever yesterday. That's quite something. You've also got the Chinese that are being given phone calls by the Mexicans saying, could you please help us with all of this fentanyl that's flowing across the border into the U.S.? We don't know what to do. Uh, well, that's funny, considering that's where it's coming from. You've also got China and Russia doing more deals into Africa. We talked about that just the other day, Bruce. Russian President Vladimir Putin has just forgiven $20 billion in debt that the African nations have had since the days of the Soviet Union. So they're in the process of making deals and economic deals and turning everyone against us. While they're doing that, and there's no response by the uh, the sellouts that we have that are running our countries, there's no response to them on the world stage. So this gives them perfect cover to say, well, we didn't know that was happening. We're, we're, we're focused on this trial of, of Donald Trump. You know, the, the guy that's the Russian collaborator, that guy. Yeah, it gives them but the this, perfect this cover for it. the headlines. This is it. That most people listen or watch the news. Your average British, you know, working class person watches the news one hour a day. Uh, if it's on for an hour or maybe just a half an hour. If that half an hour is just filled up with Donald Trump's trial, there's no time for any other news. They have to be given the semblance that news is happening and their mainstream media is reporting on world events. But of course, all they're going to get is Donald Trump's trial or, um, you know, royal reparations for the slave trade or some other crap is going to be fed to them in place of what's actually happening and will actually have an effect on them. That friend I was talking about a while ago who said, oh, I'll, I'll do something when it affects me directly. The reason he doesn't realise that it hasn't affected him directly is because he's the kind of chap who gets his news from mainstream media half an hour to one hour a day. And that's the problem we have. Um, we still have, we've got people waking up about the pandemic. We've got people uh, becoming more aware of that, thanks to people like Andrew Bridgen um, and all the other doctors, Mike Yadon, so on and so forth, who have been vocal. That news is getting out there. But the actual whole plan uh, the whole crime against humanity isn't being revealed in the mainstream media. And therefore, people like my friend have no idea that they have already been affected by it. We didn't talk about this with you last week. So I thought we would give you uh, in the last segment here, I thought we'd give you the chance to uh, to discuss it. But uh, what's going on in France? Uh, I thought we would uh, get your considered and informed opinion on uh, on that particular issue. Macron has just come back from a uh, a three day or maybe he's still on it. I'm not sure. I think, but he's it's winding down. He's about to leave uh, if he hasn't already. Uh, and that is Macron in China. He took a, a trip over there to meet with President Xi Jinping and said that look, we 
we can't break off any kind of business relations with China. It's just not possible. But he's begging China to please talk some sense into uh, into Vladimir Putin to get him to stop what he's doing in Ukraine. And you can bet that that's exactly what the Chinese are going to do, right? Because they're a nation of peace now. Uh, yeah, we'll have a piece of Taiwan. We'll have a piece of Hong Kong. <laughs> we'll have a piece of the Kashmir. Um, oh, what was his name? And we'll the, have a piece the, of Australia the, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, while we were talking in prep, the question about why they've bought a couple of hectares of the Murray River in Australia. Why has China done that? But we, you want to talk about France. The whole kickoff is about pensions, about increasing the pension age. Now, these EU member states that were really happy to receive the £350 million per week from the UK, from UK taxpayers, which we got a very small proportion back in a rebate, but were told where to spend it by the EU. On the, the various city breaks I went on uh, just before and a couple during the whole pandemic, I'm looking at people who are living a much, much better lifestyle in Europe, even though they're in the poorest country. Italy is not a rich country, you know, in, in terms of how much it, you know, its GDP. Spain is not a rich country in terms of its GDP, but in Barcelona and Rome and Naples and Florence, the locals are living a much, much better, more comfortable life. I don't go to France much because I can't stand the French and I don't apologise for that. So they live a better life, have a better uh, standard of living than us in the UK. They are up in arms about having their pension age extended out to 64 rather than 62. Our pension age for the state pension, which we pay in for, by the way, obviously, because the state doesn't just magic money, has to come from somewhere. It's the well, taxpayers. they do now. But yes, traditionally. Oh, yeah, correct. yeah, yeah. Yeah, to, traditionally, I'm correct. So our, our pension age is now out to 67. So whilst I fully support the French people and applaud them for standing up for their rights. I'm wondering what the hell the whole ploy is. We know that countries are just printing money. They are counterfeiting money. They are creating billions and billions of debt. So why does France want to do, or why does Macron want to do this now? Where does it fit in with the whole plan? And the only thing I can see is to create more uproar, more rioting, more civil unrest that will become down on with more restrictions on their civil liberties and rights. There will be changes to the law in France, which will stop protests. And it's all that move towards totalitarianism. That's what I think is happening in France at the moment. The people are doing what they expected them to do. Do you remember earlier in prep, I was talking about Michael Caine saying, you've got to use the obstacle, use the difficulty. That's what's happening. That's what's been happening. This is uh, taken from, yeah. yeah, this is taken from Paris yesterday. This is out in front of the BlackRock headquarters. Yeah, but you see, the BlackRock headquarters means nothing. Right. It's, it's just glass and metal. Yeah. What does mean something are the digital records, which can never be destroyed or pinned down about who owes what to who and uh, what assets they've got or they've lent people money on because all of those assets, those hard assets, land, 
buildings can at any time be foreclosed on or you know the loans can be foreclosed on so they can protest all they like outside of a, a of a company's hq it might sort of get the message across but it actually achieves the square root of sweet fanny adams yeah it doesn't actually do anything uh you go out and you protest in front of these these buildings yeah it might make the fact that your voice is heard but that's all it's going to do their policies are going to continue how much good did protesting during covid do did it actually stop anything did it actually stop the government from stomping on your rights and violating your rights did it they were slightly surprised by the number of people who signed the petition against vaccine mandates for NHS staff. Okay, maybe that. Yeah, I can see that. And and I'm not saying that that protesting is um, you know peacefully, civilly protesting, not destroying property, of course, like Antifa. I'm not saying that protesting is a, is a bad thing. Of course not. That's part of our, our our freedom of speech here in the West. Supposedly, this is what we have. Protesting is a it's a right in a free and liberal democratic society. That's what it is. So uh, we we can't just stop that. I mean, Macron thinks that he can. And that actually, you do know that protesting in Paris and Champs-Élysées, you know that's still illegal, right? He actually well, made it illegal. the number of... How many French revolutions have there actually been? Well, there was the like the French Revolution, but um be honest with you, I don't know. Because after the revolution, wasn't the monarchy reinstated for a while? I think it and was then for Napoleon, a bit, yeah. Yeah, then Napoleon yeah, and came then in. Napoleon yeah. came back in. So yeah. in the last 300 years two big revolutions and two fairly large capitulations to the Germans. So the French people have got the ability to um, to stand up and fight, but by doing so, they're probably giving Macron exactly what he wants. The Olympics, I've heard, the 2024 Olympics are set to take place in Paris, and Macron is using that to put in all kinds of new security measures and state controls for people. Uh, kind of like uh, akin to what, uh, was it Was it the Chinese, Bruce, that did that? Or was it the South Koreans? I, I can't remember. Do you, do you remember the last Olympics where they were only allowed to do certain things like the Olympians? They were only allowed to go certain places and China. they had to do... Because that was, was during it China? COVID. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. They could only go... Uh, I, I, we played the video here, but they could only go within like 50 meters of the building and they could only stay within like marked areas and they could only give interviews after two COVID tests and they had to wear masks and you couldn't interact with anybody outside of your floor and your bubble and all the rest of it. It was just it was insane. And it sounds like that's what Macron is wanting to do uh, again, but he's wanting to enact that on a larger scale. Now, Marty, this is a guy that is in tune with the working class people. He said so. While he was wearing his ninety thousand euro watch in the uh, the news interview, that watch has had so many different values in so many different short videos, speeches, and so on from from people. But if you're a multimillionaire and you want to wear a Rolex or whatever it was, wear a Rolex by all means. Wear wear a a very expensive watch, but don't try and slip it off under the table. When you opened this this piece, uh, you said oh, he's winding down his his visit to China. Was that uh, a subconscious sort of thought, as in the watch is winding down? The watch is winding down. Yeah, it could could have been. It's probably yeah. one. Of, it's probably one of those um, kinetic ones. So when he moves his wrist, it actually winds it up through a piezoelectric crystal. Yeah. Um, yeah so if he's but... if he's had the watch off for a while, it probably is winding down. Then again, he's such a wanker that 
that wrist he's, he's probably broken it several times because it's become overwound <laughs> yeah sure, so yeah. you know there, there, there's there's whole there's there's a whole raft of of watch jokes there somewhere i'm sure no france go for broke people do a proper protest get rid of get rid of him but whoever you're going to get in next make sure he's not more of the same that's that's the thing. That's what we've got to avoid in the coming years. How long have you got till the U.S. election? 2024, so next year. Yeah, and I think we're due one in the same year now. But that is, that's actually up for debate because I don't believe we're going to see any changes because I believe that they have a stranglehold on the electoral process. We have done absolutely, positively nothing in the United States since the 2020 election in order to remove all of these illegal voting and ballot harvesting measures in all of these states. You're going to have mail-in voting. You're going to have the drop boxes. You're going to have ballot harvesting. You're going to have the dead people voting. It's going to happen. You're going to have the voting machines. Those things have not been removed or even addressed. Or if anybody addresses them, they just get shuffled out the back door or escorted off the property if they're trying to bring attention to it. So yeah, normally, from- normally, if we use the analogy of of the electoral system or uh, whatever that word you said a minute ago, being a house, when you get a new occupant, you normally change the locks. Well, in this particular case, uh, somehow the burglar changed all the locks, gained access, kicked out the occupants uh, who no longer had keys. So, yeah, we are going to see that situation again because that's exactly uh, how it was set up. It, It was so fraudulent. But again, one hour of news all about something else, some other thing that was that was going on. None of it got heard. None of the none of the discussion about all the ways in which the American presidential presidential election was uh, defrauded happened because you had other white noise going on, like January six. That was being talked about, not the actual fraud side of it, just the riots, just the protest. It, it was all white noise and and no proper news, no proper discussion about the um, what was the name of the Soros funded bloody voting machines? Dominion. Dominion. Was it Dominion? Dominion. Yeah, that's a, a terrible word as well, because it means control over, doesn't it? I hold oh, Dominion that's, over that's, you. That's Mr. Soros for you. By the way, the Dominion thing, uh, there's supposedly a lawsuit right now going over Fox News over the Dominion thing uh, because it, they defamed and defrauded uh, Dominion because they said there was election uh, problems. And given that the judiciary is completely bought and paid for, they'll probably win. Yeah, because no court will actually hear any of those cases. Anytime that anybody took any of these uh, cases to a court to be heard, they said, sorry, uh, we're not even going to look at it. And they would just toss it out. Um, Apart from that, to go along with everything else, you also have early voting now that we have to deal with. That's got to go as well. We used to have election day. In America, election day. Now we have election week, election month, election year. You know all the rest of it. So uh, until these things are are changed, I don't see any way that uh, we're going to see any change by the ballot box. Uh, I mean, I, of course, you know that's how we are supposed to make changes in our 
<clears throat> democratic societies. But if that process has been subverted and hijacked, what other option do we have? Well, um, it's just reminded me, I'm going to I'm going to struggle to get this right. But there's have you heard of Only Fools and Horses, the, the TV sitcom? I cannot say that I have. No. Oh, mate. I don't watch television. It, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't I, watch I, television. I've realized that. I've realized that. But, it, you know, it shortens our conversations because <laughs> I watch a lot of television. There's a scene where Del Boy, the hero protagonist uh, of the sitcom, is playing cards and it's the he's playing poker and the pot has got quite big. And um, he was, it'd been, it, it lost a lot of money before, but he came back and he put everything he had into this pot. And the other guy calls him because the other guy is cheating or has been cheating by pulling aces out of his sleeve. And when they reveal the hands, the guy who was cheating says, how did you know that you'd beaten me? He said, because that wasn't the hand I dealt you. And that's what we got to do. Now, we might have to go back a bit, cut this bit out. But basically what I'm trying to say is we know it's going to be fraudulent. So let's cheat as well. Let's use the obstacle. Let's take advantage of the difficulty. The difficulty is it's going to be a bent election. Any man can win any fight as long as he's prepared to raise the stakes higher and faster than the other guy. So if the Democrats want to put um, 120 million fake votes in, then the Republicans need to put 240 million fake votes in. As soon as they realise that there's actually more votes being counted than actual US citizens, then someone's got to say, you know, the game's up. Yeah, it's all been fraudulent. And then perhaps we can go back to the point where we actually do reinstall factory settings. Problem with that theory, I agree with you. We should be doing that. The only problem is every Republican that does that will end up in prison. Uh, the Democrats will not. They will skate. Well, that's the time when the majority of the Republicans own guns, don't they? Yes. Uh, supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah, so that's 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 the time when, when you proper stand up and not be trodden on and uh, remove the tyranny. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there, my friend. It's been a fascinating conversation and we will see you next week, yes? You will. And hopefully I'll be more coherent. Like I said at the start, I'm in a funny mood and I could say anything tonight. Some of that may not have come across as the way I intended, but if it offended you, then it did come across the way I intended. And I think we've only got a couple of bleeps to worry about, so um, I think we did well. Yeah. All right, we're going to go ahead and call this one done. That'll be it for today and for this week. I'd like to thank both of you gentlemen for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone. Have a happy Easter, and we will see you next week. 